Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each person here today. Thank you for the kids and children's church. I pray, Father, that you're blessed the instructor and the, the helper and, and, and the kids, I pray, will be attentive and that they will learn and they'll gain the insights that you want them to walk away with. I mean, you just bless that ministry this morning and every time, Father, they're together. Precious uh, kids that you have blessed our church with, the little ones, Father, that are newborn and toddlers that are growing and, and soon will be in children's church as well and, and just watching them grow is such a joy even some of the kids here today that i've seen grow up obviously that are now uh young adults and i just praise you for each and every one and the privilege to be able to to see just that growth you know to be a part of their lives to say i've watched from from a very young age to an adult age and even into marriage and i just i thank you father for that Father, I just pray that you're blessed this message. I pray that you will open the eyes, ears, and hearts to this message. You know the uh, content of it, and I pray that you will shine through all of it. And I just ask that you honor that in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that there are two spiritual cultures that the world engages in? Hmm. I have to think about that for a minute. Two spiritual cultures that the world engages in. The title of this morning's message is The Culture of Death. Pretty heavy. What would be the other culture? Life. Thank you, the culture of life. So we have a pendulum, a spiritual pendulum, of a culture of death and a culture of life. And we need to understand that as Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Jesus. We have that high calling of Jesus Christ on our life. And as we grow and we walk in him, we are walking in a way that reflects the life of Jesus, right? Reflects him and his character and his values, which are contrary to the way of the world. And so we have to be careful not to fall into the culture of death. And with that, let me just start this message off with a picture of that culture of death. So it goes, the introduction here is a little bit, a little bit in depth, but um, it's to reveal that culture of death so that you, we can resonate with that and say, yeah, I know, yeah, we, we, we now know the definition. We can see by the explanation you're giving that this is the culture of death in the world that we live in today. So from some time in September, right? Until the end of Halloween or end of October, our eyes and ears are barred with tons of Halloween sights and sounds. We always know when the seasons come around. All of a sudden, you know, uh, in August, we might start seeing more of the Halloween stuff, right? We might see all of that being promoted. And we actually, as we get closer in to the end of October, it just it becomes more intensified everywhere you look. Every commercial, uh, just every, every stores, no matter where you're we're at. And of course, we know that Halloween is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, money-making holidays as well, believe it or not, compared to, compared to Christmas. So we're barraged. Our eyes and our ears are barraged with tons of Halloween sights and sounds or or uh, things that relate to the culture of death because that's what that is. It's the culture of death. Even if you're not involved in watching Halloween or horror movies, you're definitely gonna see, like I said, commercials, and we're gonna see gore, and we're gonna see scariness uh, in between those shows uh, that we do watch, right? During the season, we see that promoted on TV. We see it promoted in our, in our stores. We see it promoted everywhere. 
but it is a culture of death. And we have to be aware of that as believers in Christ. The trick of Satan is that the fun overrides the evil. And we as believers need to be sensitive to the reality of evil. So even if you're watching something simple uh, with uh, the baking shows on TV, now, those type of things, whether it be the adult or the kids version, it's always, it kicks off until, okay, this kicking into the Halloween gore or what you can do. And it's very creative, but very gross, a lot of them, right? In fact, when I was growing up, I remember it was so cool to go through and touch the blind object, objects to figure out what those things were in a haunted house. You know what I'm saying? It, there's fun, that fun stuff, but it's a culture of death. It's a culture of death. And as Christians, we need to be aware of that. When speaking, and speaking of gore, okay, do you have an idea how many Walking Dead TV series that we have? There's six. There's six. Good, good, whoever caught it, that was, said eight, but there were six Walking Dead TV series. Is that a culture of life? What's the focus? Death. Right. But it's cool and it's fun, you know, for some, right? You understand that. Uh, but we need, but there should be something in our spirit as believers in Christ that go, ew, or no, or this is not comfortable, this is not right, okay? There should be something talking to us about that. And did you also know that there have been at least 418 zombie movies made? since 1936 to present day. Wow, zombie movies. Now I gotta tell you, you know, walking like this, it's kind of fun, ha <laughs> see? And it's kind of, kind of fun. If I did Igor with the hump on my back, you know, it's kind of fun, right? But again, we're looking at the culture of death, right? And so when Satan throws out fun to override the culture of death, and we're not sensitive to it as believers, then we're being, being lured to accept those parts of the culture of death, right? I can walk through Kalinga and any, probably anywhere. God's given me a sense in my spirit, a spiritual sense of evil in different areas of our community. I can, all the walks that I used to go on, I'd go by a, a house or a neighborhood and I could just sense that evil presence. And I thank God for that and pray for that house and pray for that area. But being sensitive to evil and death, the things that pull away from the life and the fullness of life that Jesus wants us to have is something we all need, again, to be sensitive about. We have zombie comedies. <laughs> See, you laughed. <laughs> Not point. It is funny. I laugh with you. Okay? We have zombie comedies, zombie romances, ooh, zombie mermaids, zombie aliens, and on and on. All right? We even have a movie, a movie that has Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln fighting zombies. So there's a real hunger for zombies. And, and Satan will whisper in our head and tell us that, that this is just pure fun and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just having fun. It's innocent. It's having fun. At the very least, it's representing death. At the very most, it allures people possibly to be more interested in things of darkness and death. Okay? 
Disney, the family and kids entertainment company, has zombie kid and teen movies and shows. There are zombie dolls to play with even. Okay, so what's a zombie? The dictionary defines a zombie as a corpse said to be revived by witchcraft. But movies and TV have also decided that viruses can make zombies too. What do we all see about this time of year? Obvious question, right? What do we see around? We see skeletons, we see skulls, everywhere. What's that what culture is that a reflection of? Death. We have to be sensitive in our spirit to lean toward life, not toward death, in spite of fun. And of course, all year round, people find that wearing skeletons and skulls on clothing and jewelry are cool. You know, when I was a kid growing up on Halloween, we couldn't wait to get the dummy on top of the roof to drop on the kids when they came to the door. You know what I mean? And then just, hey, going like this, and the kids are screaming and all that, and we bust up laughing. So you, there it is, the back row, back, no. <laughs> pick it on you guys. But that's, that's the lure. But as I, as I grow in Christ, I realize, hey, this is a culture of death. This is not, does it honor God? Does it bring glory to him? Does it direct hearts and lives to God? So a dumb question, what are skeletons? They're dead people too, like zombies. <laughs> Okay, So my point is, people have become very enthralled with death, and we're living in a culture of death. But, you know, if we don't acknowledge that, we don't see that, do we? It's somehow, it's, it's kind of obscured from our eyes. We don't, we don't have that definition or that, or that clarification in our heart and in our mind that people have become enthralled with death and are living a culture of death. And you know what? This is something that Satan has done forever. It is not anything new. We have a rise in mediums, those people who help you communicate with so-called dead. I said so-called because any, with the exception of God raising up Samuel for Saul when he went to the median, with the exception of that, I don't have any other place in Scripture where, that, where a real person was sent back uh, through a medium. Okay, But... Any encounter with, with a spirit, so-called, from the dead is not that individual. It's a mimic of that in individual through a demonic spirit. It's not the person themselves. And we have to be aware of that. We have to be, you say, boy, wow, this is heavy for a Sunday morning message. It sure doesn't bring me to worship God. But it should. Why? Because as we embrace the reality this is a culture of death but i as god's child as god's people we are embracing the culture of life and that's that's where that that should stir our hearts for jesus it's, it's like saying i see the culture of death but i'm going to stand up for the culture of life the culture of jesus for john 10 10 says that that the, the thief comes but to rob and to steal and destroy but I have come that you might have what? Abundant life. So we see a con contrast between what the object of the enemy is and what, the, what God is doing. We see a direct opposite pendulum there. And it's a reflection of this culture of death and a culture of life. And so as representatives of Jesus and loving Jesus and standing up for what's right, 
and what reflects his life is good, is good. We even have people going, filling concert halls, wanting to, to connect with the, the medium, medium, right, on stage, saying, I have this going on, or they're going to pray, and whatever they do to reveal something from a dead loved one for that, for that audience member. You know what I'm talking about? I've never gone to one, so I'm just seeing one on TV, what I've seen, right? So we have people looking for mediums. Well, man, we should look for, for God, for God. You know, um, as a Christian, when a loved one goes home to be with the Lord, um, you know, I just told, um, told the Lord um, that to say hello to somebody for me in heaven. I did that this morning. So the Lord, tell him hello. Tell them happy birthday. I can do that through Jesus because they're with him there. I'm in him. He's in me, right? Not a medium. I'm not asking for any conjuring up of that person. I'm simply praying, Lord, tell them I love them. Tell them, give them a hug for me. Tell them happy birthday. Tell them I miss them, whatever. But, but that's just me knowing the reality of heaven <laughs> and the reality of where my loved ones are. And so that's good. But see, that's the focus of life. They have life. And you and I are called to focus on that. On that. The culture of death invades our books, TVs, movies, holidays, etc. People are reading about it, watching it, and participating in it. Why is it so popular? Because Satan wants to do anything he can to draw people away from life, from Jesus. Anything to oppose Jesus. God is life. So promoting death is the opposite of promoting God, right? So Christians should not be participating in this culture of death. Now let me emphasize a culture of death. That means year-round, anything that, that we can sense the, a culture of death or evil, we should be repelled by that. We should be walking away from that. Let me explain, as I go along, I'll explain a little bit more why. The Israelites faced the same issue over and over again in their history. While they were in Egypt, they lived in a culture of death for 400 years. Egyptians focused on their book of the dead and their underworld called the Duat. Egyptians believed that they traveled to it through the tomb of the deceased. Egyptians worshipped the god of the underworld, Osiris. By contrast, the Israelites were worshipped out of one, were, were, excuse me, by contrast, the Israelites worshipped our one true God, Yahweh. And Yahweh held the book of life. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, Moses gave them God's laws to live by, and he finished it all up with comments in Deuteronomy 30. But before I read that, do you see the contrast there? We have, we have the, the, a culture of death that's being explained, and then God says, now I have this for you as my people that I want you to adhere to, because why? As believers in Christ, we are not to be of the world, we're in the world. We are to reflect him. We are to live life in and through him. So he gave these guidelines to say, this, you are my people. So when, when we read this about Israel, he, he's saying it about you as believers in Christ too. You and I are God's people. So these are some guidelines. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 19. 
See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. There you go. Opposite pendulum, right? Opposite ends. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you. I want to live and multiply. I don't want to multiply this way, but I want my life enriched, right? And, and I want God's blessings, right? But I think we all would want that, right? But obviously that comes through being faithful and, and obedient to the Lord our Savior, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go to in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God has set before us today life and death. We can choose a life that's following Jesus wholeheartedly, or we can choose death that chooses to walk away from, from Jesus. It's a choice. Sometimes we say, well, it's not that definitive. Well, actually it is. Because we know in our heart what's right, and we know in our heart what's not right. And when we yield to what's right, God will bless. And when we yield to what's not right, God will deal with that according to his plan and his purposes. He loves us, though. He's going to try to reveal truth and understanding to us so that we can, we can um, come to terms with, with the realities that he sets before us in a way that our life will be blessed and enriched because we accept what he says, right? When we come to terms with God and say, God, I know this, and you've showed me some things, and I've resolved that this is where I'm at. I'm going to stay right here and, and focus on you. And God will bless that. God will bless that. God didn't want the Israelites focused on death like the Egyptians. He wanted them focused on life, and he wanted them to choose between life and death. He gave them all the instructions on how to choose life. Think about this, choosing life rather than choosing death. Is death productive? No. Is death, is death, death good at all? No. Is life productive and good? Yes. But we have to choose between one and the other. That's the black and white line. But Satan tries to, to mask it all as good. God doesn't. God knows what's bad, and he knows what's good. He knows what's death, and he knows what's life. He knows what is going to take away from you, and he knows what's going to enrich you. Like the Israelites, we choose life by loving God and obeying his commandments. Obeying is not a dirty word. It is not a restrictive word. It is a freeing word. And by that, I mean this. When we do what God wants us to do, God blesses and enriches and frees us in him to be the people he wants us to be. There is a freedom and a joy in doing what God says to do. Satan just whispers in your ear, there you go, lock you up and bind you up and rob you. And he's, what a manipulator. 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begotten, means God who gave his son, Jesus, also loves him who is begotten of him. That is, 
believers in Christ. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Satan will convince us, oh, that's obeying, that's a burden, that's a burden, that's a burden, that's a robbery, you're not going to have fullness of life. And what he's speaking is absolutely the opposite of truth. Because doing what God says is the fullness of life, not the absence of life. The perspective laid out by God in the Torah and the New Testament is that life is good and death is evil. Right? I mean, that's simple. But, but applying that to our lives and looking at our culture and looking at the realities of things, sometimes it's obscured because of the, the fun factor or the innocence. We're conv- we're, there's a lot of innocence. It doesn't make it right. See, it's still a part of darkness. We need to understand that. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Who wants to engage in that? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is evil and brings us death, but Jesus brings us forgiveness and life. We ha- when we have the fullness and the abundance and the joy of a relationship that's rich in Jesus Christ, it far supersedes anything of darkness that this world would want to offer. And it not only affects us here, but for eternity as well. All of us have that same choice, eternal life or death. I hope all of you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, choose life. Choose Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So all of us have the same choice, eternal life or death. And if you've chosen life, praise God. Praise God, because that life is in Jesus. You're saved through faith in Christ. Once we have received that wonderful gift of eternal life, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be removed. I tell you what, when all of mankind from all the ages and ages yet to come stand before God, those that know their name is written in Lamb's Book of Life are going to rejoice. And it's going to matter more there than ever. But it matters now for us. And as you've received Christ as your Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise God for that. Praise, praise, praise God for that. Let's look at a wonderful promise in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. According to that, does God like or love or cherish death? No, in fact, he's throwing it away forever. 
We see it now, but one day there will be no more sickness, no more dying, no more death, no more sorrow, none of that as a product of sin. But God does not like death. He does not love death. And yet we live in a world that promotes the culture of death. And as God's people, we should have that understanding in our head that clicks spiritually. It says, I would rather follow the culture of life in Christ than embrace the culture of death. One, it dishonors my God. Two, it robs me of what God has for me. It interrupts my spiritual walk with God when I embrace the culture of death. Those of us who have chosen life through Jesus will not be thrown into the lake of fire and not face the second death, eternal separation from God. You know, that's a physical second death. Every person, saved or lost, throughout any age, will be resurrected physically to stand before God. You and I will live physically with eternal new bodies like Jesus. The coolest body that was ever made, we're going to have one too. And everyone that was resurrected physically without Christ will be physically cast into the lake of fire. You might, Satan will whisper, say, oh, that's a myth, or you're a radical, or you're a Jesus freak, or you're this, or you're that. That's a lie, lie, lie. That's what he'll say. But of course he wants to say that because he doesn't want us to believe the truth. But I tell you what, if you stand before God one day and you don't know your, name's written in, is, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that you know physically you're going to have judgment for eternity, you're going to wish you did and it'll be too late. We will live forever with Jesus. Praise God. Because he's life, not death. He hates death. We are no longer to be focused on this culture of death, but we should be focused on God's culture of life in him. God gave Israel's laws to live by that would help protect them from the culture of death that all the other nations lived in. God wanted Israel to be a unique nation of people that represented him. God just as well, just as, just as much, I should say, excuse me, desires that you and I are that type of people as well because we're his children. We're part of the body of Christ. He lives in us and we live in him. There are some laws in the Bible that are, are pretty harsh. But God meant it because he doesn't want his people participating in the evil and of the culture of death that the world promotes. For example, in Leviticus 19.31, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You know what? As a believer, how ludicrous or stupid or dumb it is to go to a medium to get some spiritual insight. <laughs> We've got the spirit of God living in us. We know Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of, Lord, Lord of lords, creator of all, God himself. And we can go to him and ask him for anything. Pursue him. Love him. You don't have to go to a medium. It just it boggles me that somebody would do that, maybe because they thought the spiritual aspect of it was pretty, pretty cool, exciting. Again, another luring lie of the enemy. Do not seek out medians or spirits, spiritists. My best friend growing up, John Duarte, who's now in heaven, praise God, as I shared that testimony about him when I was growing up, that he believed that Jesus was, he believed he died on the cross, he believed he was dead in the tomb, but he didn't believe he rose from the dead. 
His mother was a spiritist. And so she worshiped spirits in, the, in, the, in, the, in that culture of death. And she had spirit, uh, different things plaguing her in her home, in her life. I shared the gospel with John, and he said, well, I believe all the way up to this point because it is possible for someone to raise from the dead. Yes, it takes faith to believe, right? Right? And then his mother said, you know what, you kind of upset John by sharing the gospel with him, so I don't want you to talk to him anymore. So I drove home, 45 minutes home. I cried all the way home. What a wimp, but I cried. I was so broken hearted, <clears throat> excuse me, for my best, that, that was a frog, by the way, for my, for my best friend. A year later, I get a call from his sister. Terry, I want you to know something. My mom, my dad, and they were separated, and my brother and I all received Jesus as our Savior today. Praise God. But boy, the spirit of death just gripped them. That culture of death that they were exposed to gripped them. Now they have life. Okay? In God's book, there are no reasons or justifications for needing a medium to assist you. Why? Because we have God. Leviticus 20, verse 6 says, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them. You know what that means? We've, we have a, a covenant relationship with Jesus through faith in Christ as our Savior. To go to a medium or spiritist is to violate that. It's like committing adultery. It's like committing uh, sexual sin. It's like committing, it's, it's defying the very relationship that we have with God. Okay? And so, um, and the person who, I'll go back to where I was actually lost my thought. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from, the, from his people. That's pretty harsh. If you do seek other mediums, you are to be cut off from God's people because the sin can, set, can spread to others. What we embrace that's not of God can overflow and affect others in our lives. Leviticus 20, verse 27, a man or woman who is a median or has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. That's harsh, but that's how God took it. As a Hebrew, if you are a medium or involved with the dead, you are to be killed. It doesn't mean that you kill a palm reader like the one over there in Fresno next to Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? That house next to Walmart, it's a palm reader house. Okay, you always turn on that side street right there. You said little restaurant on the corner used to be the palm reader house. Now they've moved to the building on the street behind them. It's still there. People still go to it, right? Doesn't mean you go over and kill them. Okay, I just want to make that plain. But what we're saying is that in, in what God instructed the Hebrews to do, that if they were a part of their culture, that's what they were going to do. They were commanded to kill him. What happened to King Saul when he went to a medium? I mentioned it earlier in 1 Chronicles 10, 13 through 14. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. Hey, we got God, go to him, right? He did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him and he and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. 
King Saul chose hearing advice from a median and dead Samuel before hearing from the Lord. So it's, it's a stupid thing for Christians to go and engage in any type of median uh, or palm reading or a tea leaf reading. Or, you know, it used to be when you were a kid like, oh, you can read my palm, that's really intriguing. Oh, my aunt from Iran, uh, she used to read uh, uh, the bottom of the teacup. After you drank it, you turn it over, you let it dry, and then you turn it over and you read the teacup. And it's intriguing. But that's the part that Satan does. He makes it intriguing to lead us away from God. Okay? Earlier, I didn't even mention witches. <laughs> How many movies, TV shows, books are there about those? There's a lot. And you know what? They're made out to be good. They're made out to be, they're cool. They made anything to make them sparkle and look good in your eyes. But a witch is a witch, and it's evil, period. And they're real. Okay, they are real. Witchcraft and sorcery is not allowed for God's people. The Israelites had become quite involved with, with witches too. And the prophet Micah gave them a message from God in Micah 5.12. I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you shall have no soothsayers. Then they, then they were told in Exodus 22.18, not even to let sorcerers live, and yet Micah is talking about how they are in God's promised land. They, they made a commitment to God. You know, we're going to obey your laws. We're going to obey, obey you, Lord. We're going to be your people. And then they let their guard down. They let the culture of death just slip in, and they embrace it, and it infiltrates, and it does harm. It brings death. It brings death. God has a strong opinion about witches. Revelation 21.8 But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, moral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is, in the, second, which is the second death. Now, I want to make sure you understand that these are referring to unrepented, unchanged people you know you can you can you can we all commit sins that are atrocious we could have can and have whatever our life story is but when our heart is repented and, and ask God's forgiveness that's what God wants but if our heart says no I'm going to hold on to it because I love it and that's how I'm going to live God says you're not one of mine and that's straightforward from God. If God wants us to have nothing to do with witches, mediums, death, etc., why do we? Why do we? The culture of death is serious business, hated by God. It shouldn't be fun to celebrate death and evil. We need to be sensitive in our spirits to that. If we consult or read horoscopes, because it's what? Fun, intriguing. Right? But it's wrong. Right? If we consult or read horoscopes or go to palm readers and medians, we are as guilty as King Saul. Why, why am I saying this? Because you and I are God's people. We are children of God. We are ambassadors of him. We are to be different from the world. We are to be a distinctively cut out of the world and walking in his light and in his life. That's what God wants. That's what God wants for us. 
God wants us to have nothing to do, again, with witches, mediums, death, etc. Why? The culture of death is serious business, hated by God. It shouldn't be fun to celebrate death and evil. If we consult that horoscope, and I'm repeating, and palm readers and mediums were guilty as saw. We're letting the culture of death tell us our future instead of letting God tell us through our life. If we celebrate Halloween, otherwise known as All Hallows' Eve, that in many cultures ends with a celebration of the dead and the hopes that the dead will visit their homes. We know that in November, don't we? Day of the Dead celebration. I see those parades, the Day of the Dead celebration, the skeletons all, what's that called uh, when, you, when you ladies put all that glitter stuff and stones all over your uh, purses and bling is the word. So the skeletons are all blinged out, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, isn't that pretty? Isn't that cool? No, it's still representing death. He wants to put the bling on it to make it look fun and, and exciting and, and innocent, but it's still a culture of death. If Christians dress as witches, ghosts, zombies, skeletons, or let their kids watch zombie shows, we're no different than the world, and we're celebrating and living out the culture of death. He said, Pastor, you're a drag. No, but God says what he says. Amen. And we have to make a choice. It's always about a choice, but you know what? We're not being robbed by making the choice for God. Can we say amen to that? Amen. When, we, when we make the right choices for God, we're not being robbed. We're going to be blessed and enriched in him. If Christians, again, were part of the world, part of that culture of death, we don't have to blend in with the world to have fun. We're meant to be different from the world and its culture of death. We're meant to be teaching the world about life, life with God. It's time to leave behind the culture of death like the Israelites left Egypt. Don't embrace the culture of death. Embrace life. So whenever you are... Um, in an environment where you pick up that evil or that sense of conviction in your spirit, don't ignore it. God's talking to you. Just, just be sensitive to him and his life and how, how he wants us to be and, and focus on those things that are good and, and, and truly innocent but anything that's wicked and evil and dark and creepy and gross and all that stuff, walk away from it. Because it isn't to be part of our lives. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. Father, you know the, the exciting thing about what you're telling us in the message is, is that we are uniquely your people. I mean, that's a tremendous honor and privilege to be uniquely your people, called of you, set apart by you, and used by you to represent you in a world of darkness. Help us to be agents that, that um, bear you, bear your light, and, and, and reveal your life. How, how, what you mean to us, what the joy is of knowing Jesus, 
what life is like being a, a life that's focused on Jesus and the life that, that you lay out before us to follow. The fullness of life, the abundant life, the joyful life, the life of peace, the life of hope, the life of love, the life of joy in Jesus is far greater than any dark uh, uh, substitute uh, could be offered. And so I ask, Father, please, that you help us to walk out of here today with a, with a heart that says, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm yours. I'm so thankful that you're my Savior. I'm so thankful that you've set me apart for you. I'm so thankful for the mission and the, and the status that you have called me to be in you in this world. Help me to be all you have me to be in Jesus. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.